0: Amen. Hey, that's right. Page 110 for those of you hooked on proper page numbers. And we're once again on the final topic there, uh, beginning on the final topic to intro to apologetics. And we're dealing with the apologetic questions like, how do we know God exists? Well, we started to take a look at that. Everything has a beginning, which implies a beginner. That's God. Everything has a design, which implies a designer, capital D, i.e. God. Uh, What about evolution? They said there is no God. It's a random chance. No, I don't think so. Boy, did we go down deep on that or what? Anybody still mentally scarred? Yeah, that was a good one. I had fun on that one. Uh, what about the, uh, where'd this moral law come from? We know inherently it's wrong to murder and steal. Where'd that come from? Well, we're creating the moral uh, image of God. That's evidence of his existence. Well, what about the Bible? Isn't that just whooped up by man? No, it's not. It came from God. We saw that. What about evil and suffering? If God's so loving, why is that? And we dealt with that extensively. Hey, is Jesus really the son of God? And did Jesus really rise from the dead? We dealt with that extensively on both those. And now we make it to the final one, the final big old skeptical question that people have all their different opinions on, but uh, only one is right. And that is, what is the meaning of life? Now I don't know about you guys but you guys uh, you know you my testimony I don't know if you're in the same similar situation. I was in boy I was searching for the meaning of life, right? And I was doing all the things that the world said you need to do to fill that hole in your heart, right? And this is what we're gonna get into this study right all the wrong paths anybody ever been down that route They say hey, you know If you're gonna have a meaningful life and get rid of that hole in your heart and have purpose and value You just need to get a good education or you need a lot of money or you need to have relationships or you need to please yourself Anybody ever try that route? Yeah, it's bankrupt, isn't it? And that's what we're going to get into, okay? And uh, I don't know about you, but right when I got saved, uh, you know, literally the moment when I crying out to Jesus, I was, cr- I was laughing and crying at the same time. Uh, partly because I literally uh, heard this voice as, as I'm literally crying out to Jesus and saying, Jesus, would you please forgive me? All of a sudden this voice goes in my, my uh, uh, ear and it's just, do you realize if you do this, you're going to have to walk away from everything you know, right? And, and I had built up this whole facade of being this great, you know, intellectual, philosophical, new age teacher who knew it all in life and great mind, intelligentsia, and blah, 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 right? And it's like, it, and anyway, so I, whether it's Satan, demon, whatever, it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm laughing because I'm going, you sneaky booger. Even while I am crying out to Jesus, you're still trying one last time to keep me from coming to him. And what blew me away was I couldn't believe it. I, you know, just like, God, I, I, I tried my best to run so hard away from you. And I used the word, you romanced me down. You tracked me down. You drew me to yourself. And that was awesome. But so I'm crying, I'm weeping, and then all of a sudden, it was just all of a sudden a big relief. You know, I shared with my testimony, I literally could feel a physical sensation, just whoop. I don't know if it was the demons leaving me, or just the weight of sin being forgiven, leaving off of me, or whatever, or both. I don't know. But I literally felt that physical sensation, felt like cloud nine for the first couple of days, and the, the grass was greener, the sky was bluer, it was just radical, and things of that nature. But I remember, I remember, this relief it was like finally i can stop searching you ever do you remember that did you have that experience i mean because of course i was in new age and if you know anything about new Age, it's, it's everything you try anything you try everything it's like a cafeteria try some buddhism try some hinduism try some eastern mysticism try some shamanism try the occult <laughs> okay try the self self uh, self-help secular psychology try this try that, try that and nothing ever worked and I'm so sick and tired of, of going around this circle and nothing ever satisfied. But crying out to Jesus, whoo. And I knew it was the truth. Boy, did he deliver instantly. And uh, it was such a relief. Now, what blew me away, and again, he says, what's the meaning of life? i remember a brand new Christian. And uh, eight weeks after I got saved, as you know, I'm in Bible college. And then uh, I started doing this internship at this uh, Baptist church in, in uh, Sacramento there. And uh, uh, it was about that time when everybody was hot to trot on this uh, this book that was out there. And they're pushing this thing about 40 days of purpose. A purpose-driven life. Remember that book there? And this is before I knew anything about Rick Warren and as we've dealt with many times in the Final Countdown Studies and his involvement with the vatican and the pope and all this other stuff and one world religion stuff he's unfortunately involved in now and all that stuff but anyway i, I just I, I didn't know squat about this book or something but they were just pushing us this hey, we're all going to do this journey together we're on this 40 days 40 and i'm sat there as a brand new christian Part of me was going like hey you weasel you just got saved it, 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 like you know better than these people have been saved for 9,322 years did you think that when you first walked into a church yeah, I did, right? And, but I was I was blown away because I'm going. Are you serious? It's really going to take you 40 days to figure out your purpose? It, it was. It just I did it. I, I, what? I'll tell you in four seconds. You glorify God. You grow up in God. And you get the gospel out. That might have been three seconds. And I remember sitting there, blown. Are you what? How can it take you 40 days? Like this? What, what's going on here? And then I think I've shared before in the past. Uh, uh, the the church, it was, I think, American Baptist, and no offense to whatever, I'm just telling you my experience, and and it always seemed like the the headquarters always came up with these programs for the church to do, and I'm not against programs per se, but they would come up with sometimes these weird things, and one thing that I noticed, it seems like churches would always be reliant upon some silver bullet secret program from the higher-ups to evangelize and grow the church instead of, hey, how about get out there and open your mouth and share the gospel individually? If you all work together, you don't need any of that stuff. That's the original program that's been there from day one. It's in the Bible, right? You don't need to buy this curriculum. It's right there anyway. But anyway, so this, then after this 40-day thing, i go. going, what? You, what? How, how could it take you 40 days to free this out? Read the Bible, right? The other one was this. They, they did this uh, program, and it was called God Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you the premise of this, right? And it was like a four-week, six-week church-wide event, right? And here was the premise, Tom. Everybody in the church... You had to be very careful to observe every single day. Somehow, way, somebody in this whole huge congregation, maybe, hopefully by next Sunday, could think of one thing that God did, <laughs> i.e. the God hunt. And I'm like, what? Every day is a fantastic journey with Jesus. What do you, what do you, if you're hunting for God, you got problems. First of all, he's omnipresent. He's with you wherever you go. And, and what kind of relationship do you have that you got to literally go, oh, so, whoa? That tells me you don't have any intimacy. What do you mean you're hunting for God? Right? And it just blew me away. Okay? But as we're going to see in this study, okay, uh, sometimes, even though we Christians, we know better, we know Jesus is the meaning of life. We know that you got Jesus, you got it all. You don't have to hunt anymore, you don't have to wonder about your purpose anymore. But sometimes we fall back into the old Pied Piper from this world, and we think it's the things of this world is where we're going to find meaning in life, even as a Christian. And if you're not careful, you get sucked down that route, and you wonder why you wake up one day, and it's like, man, what happened to my walk with Jesus? You got seduced somewhere along the line. So let's take a look at that. Chapter 13, what is the meaning of life, and can the answer be found in the Christian religion? Sure, that's right, Bobby, sure is the answer there. Uh, I would like to address this question by looking at one of the books in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes. How many guys, when you first got saved, it took you nine years to get that right? The pronunciation there. How many guys still have a trouble saying aluminum num, num? Right, Let's move on. Uh, let's move on. He said, Ravi Zacharias uh, was once speaking to a large crowd of college students, and one student interrupted his presentation. He stood up and yelled out, Everything is meaningless. And so Ravi responded, He says, You don't believe that. And the student says, Yes, I do. And Robbie says, No, you don't. And the student, I most certainly do. Who are you to tell me I don't? And then he said, This, well, then repeat your statement to me. So the student said, Everything is meaningless. So Dr. Zacharias said to him, I assume that you assume that your statement is meaningful. And the student said, Pardon? And so Robbie said, If your statement is meaningful, then everything is not meaningless. On the other hand, if everything is meaningless, then what you have just said is meaningless too. So in effect, you said nothing. <laughs> And I like that, not just to, quote, win a debate, right? Uh, But it's it's a good thing to just logically stop and think and consider where is this train headed? What is the logical conclusion, I call it, of this behavior, this way of life, where are you going? Because most people haven't even really thought it through, okay? Now, again, I'm not talking just the non-Christian. They don't know better, right? They haven't been into the Bible. They haven't been told what is the meaning and purpose of life. They're still buying into the world's lies, okay? But even as Christians, we have to stop, think, whoa, let's follow this to the logical conclusion. Where am I going? What am I doing? Is it lining up with the scripture? Is this where I'm going to find meaning and purpose and value in life, what I am doing? Unfortunately, we don't think it through, right? And we deal with what I call the after effects. And you wonder why, again, you wake up one day, it feels like God's a million miles away, right? And the old axiom is, if it ever feels like God's a million miles away, guess who moved? Not God. We did. Something got you off the... Have you thought of what you're doing, the logical conclusion, and where you're headed? Let's think about that, right? So let's go on. He says this. Uh, the interesting thing is that the student's statement is identical with the first verse of the book of Ecclesiastes. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Turn to somebody and say, I feel encouraged right now. <laughs> Right, and that's literally what it says there. Okay, and that's why he says this point there. That's a real pick-me-up verse, isn't it? Ha, ha, ha. Now, actually, and I'll say this because when I got saved, and I first came across this Ecclesiastes, after having been that guy who tried virtually everything under the sun that society says you need to have and and need to do in order to fill that hole in your heart, which again the axiom is it's a God-shaped void and only God can fill it. But it's anything and everything else but that. Right. When I came to Ecclesiastes, I was like, yeah. In fact, dare I say that this book is Americana 101. You want to know what's wrong with our society? You want to know what's wrong with the American church? We need to get into this book, Ecclesiastes. And we need to remind ourselves, even as Christians, stop going down the meaningless route, right? Get back on track to what makes life meaningful, and that's Jesus. Now, we say that. We know that. That's the right answer. Like, Bobby keeps getting on the front row but sometimes we get seduced, right? and let's go on. So, but I actually love this book, and I think it's a great book, okay? because ultimately what it's doing is it's steering us away from the meaningless path. Right? How many guys would say if you're heading down a route that is truly leading to a dead end, or harm, or hurt, or pain, uh, you're grateful for somebody pointing that out? You would think. Well, that's what this book does. I'm act- and I say this because I've actually heard people say, uh, you know, if you're a new Christian, you may not want to read that book right away. Or if you're having some hard times, don't read the book of Job and don't go to Ecclesiastes. It's kind of a downer. <laughs> this book is awesome, right? Because he warns us of the false path. And since when is that bad? Since when is that depressing? Okay, all right? And, and basically what it is, is we all know the meaning and purpose. Okay, meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? It is have, that relationship with who? with God, right? That's it. Case closed, right? And then you get busy. You have a relationship with God. And you grow up in God and you get the gospel out, right? That's what you do. That's the hey, take. Case closed, right? I don't need a book for that, okay? So, but we, we know that. But again, we start living as if God isn't good enough. And I remember coming across this phrase. I've shared it in the past before as a, as a, a young Christian. And I thought, wow, boy, does that open up some, uh, my eyes to what, what people are doing, what I used to be doing. And it's the definition of God, right? of a God, of what we consider God. And he broke it down. It's D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he said this, A man's God is that for which he lives, for which he's prepared to give his time, his energy, his money, that which stimulates him, rouses him, excites, and enthuses him. So you sit there as a Christian, you say, oh, it's all about God. The meaning of life is God. It's all about God, God, God. I know that's God. Well, I'll tell you what, put it to the test. What are you living for? Who are you living for? What are you giving your time for, your energy, your money, that which stimulates you? What, route, what excites you? What are you enthusiastic about? If it's not God, you're being duped, right? You're heading down a meaningless route, okay, is the issue there. And I've shared this before, but to me, again, this book warns us of living a life that is absolutely futile, and in the end, okay, you wake up and you go, man, boy, why, that, was a, that was a goofy decision. Why did I do that? Why did I waste so much time on something that was a dead-end path? Uh, I've shared this before, but anyway, leading into that, a man who spent many summers in Maine was fascinated by his companions who told about their experiences in a little town named Flagstaff. Uh, the town was to be flooded as a part of a lake for which a dam was being built. And because of this, in the months before it was to be flooded, all improvements and repairs to the whole town were stopped. Right? Because it's going to be flooded. Uh, I mean, what was used to paint a house if it was to be covered with water in six months? Why repair anything when the whole town was to be wiped out? So week after week, the whole town became more and more focused on their new location and began to invest their lives in that. Why? Because they were clearly understood it's a complete waste of time and money to secure their lives into that which was soon to be destroyed. Right? So why in the world would we sit here and say, yeah, I got it, got it saved, got it all figured out? Okay, God is the meaning of life. Having a relationship with him. Glorify God, grow up in God, get the gospel That's it, I know it all. And if you're starting to do things that vie from that path and veer away from that path, then guess what? That's about as goofy as like, Yep, flood's coming next week. My whole house is going to be underwater. Hey, Tom, let's paint it. Right? That wouldn't just be goofy. What a waste of resources. Right? And the scripture says, hey, listen, this is our life. Our life here on earth. Praise God we're going to heaven. But it's a short a life. It's a, it's a wisp. It's a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Right? We just got this one little shot to say, hey, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for showing me the meaning and purpose of life even before I get to heaven. It's awesome. Woo! I want to spend the rest of my time here that which is meaningful, that will store up treasure in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, right? And thieves can't break into steel. I want my life to be purposeful by following the greatest purpose of all, God. Right? But we don't do that. And we get tricked and following all these things that is just as goofy as like, why did you do that? Why did you go down that route? It has nothing to do with what is coming down the pipe. Okay? But let's continue on. He says this at times this book sounds incredibly pessimistic and depressing. However, if you read this book carefully, you'll see that the author has the answer to the question: what is the meaning of life? He's got the answer, but. First, he's going to discuss all the things uh, that we think, key word there, think, will bring meaning uh, and joy in our lives. Top of page 111, Ecclesiastes is a book about experimentation, right? This is what I was doing before I got saved. I wanted to know why I was here. What is life all about? Why did my friend die in that car accident? I'm sitting there. I'm staring at his corpse in the casket. He had a busted neck. He was all bruised up. They tried their best with all the makeup they do on corpses and stuff, but it's still pretty messed up. And I'm staring at his corpse going, what's going to happen when I die? And that's what woke me up to spiritual things. But I had no answers. So I'm I'm, I'm experimenting. And I started asking questions in my head. All right, what do you do? What's life all about? Where am I going to go? And I started to do what society said to do. I didn't go down the Christian route, again, if you guys know my testimony, because guess what the <clears throat> guys who said they were Christians, uh, guess what they were doing, uh, and gals, uh, guess what they were doing on the weekends uh, with me? Sinful, rotten, horrible things. And during the week, whenever we get our we, uh, grubby hands on it, so to speak. Okay? And guess where they would go if they weren't too hungover? On Sundays. Church service. So, when I got to this point and I'm staring at my friend's corpse in the casket, I'm starting to wake to spiritual things. Do you think I was going to go down that route? No. Because what was the loud message that they were sending to me, even though I don't ever verbally remember them ever telling me about Jesus? Christianity doesn't work. You're doing the same rotten things I'm doing. It must be meaningless. Now, that's a stinger. Yeah, I no, you know well, Sunday we talk about, you know, be holy as I'm holy, and we, you know, The week before that, we talked about, about being hypocrites, and do you understand the importance of being holy by the Spirit of God? We can't do it in ourselves. I'm not saying we're perfect, but we need to be those godly witnesses because you never know when somebody's watching you, that coworker, that neighbor, that family member, and they're just waiting for you to mess up, but they want to see success. They want to see that, is Jesus really meaningful? We are the only Bible some people may ever read. And, and if we're off on a tangent, if we're living like the rest of the world, even though we know better, we're going to start giving the impression, though, even though we're saved, the world will be watching us, and we go, well, must be meaningless, because apparently they don't think it's important. Okay, but that's what he says. He says it's, it's a book about experimentation. It's about a man who's reflecting on his lifelong quest for meeting. The teacher, the author of Ecclesiastes, an old man now, looks back over the years of his life and basically says, Been there, done that, bought the t shirt, wish I didn't, and all that fun stuff. How many of you guys wish you had the wisdom now that you have now when you're 18? How many of you guys realize you'd probably be the president of the United States with, <laughs> or something? I don't know, man, a millionaire, I don't know, whatever. But what? Can you believe that? I just, that's just amazing. And, and that's what he's doing. So he's reflecting on his life, Go, man, what a goober. I went through all this stuff. And when I was younger, boy, I thought it was this and that, and it wasn't that. Boy, do I know better now, right? It's, it's, that's what he's doing in the book, okay? He's experimented and tasted everything life has to offer. Now, he's going to break it down here in the study here real quick in these little, this bullet list here, but then we're going to go into a lot of them in greater detail. But real quick, he's going to talk about in Ecclesiastes, here's all the meaningless paths. And the first one's on there, and boy, did I ever go down this route, because that's what society says, right? Life would be great if you only had money. You can't serve both God and money. Which one's your God? Okay, life and money. But the writer says, if uh, I have had more than you could ever dream. Well, again, we'll get into this greater detail. Okay, but isn't that the biggest lie Isn't that why people in our world today, this is what makes for a meaningful life and we're running that crazy rat race and we're doing all this stuff and we're getting up in this, doing this, and killing ourselves and doing this and scrambling this and getting this and collecting that and saving this and scrambling for this and doing that and buying money. I just got to have money. That's what it is, there's money. And if only I had enough money, then life would be great. And I know nobody here ever thought that in their life. It's those weird people right over there about three blocks that way. Yeah, money. It's drilled in our heads from wee high. Okay. And he's going to come to the conclusion, listen. uh, 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 Oh, by the way, uh, Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, um, he had a couple dollars. (laughs) Richest man who ever lived in the world, in the history of mankind. And he's going to say, listen, I'm telling you, I've been there, done that. I'm I'm reflecting back in life. Listen, I know that's what everybody says. and, and, And I experimented with that. I went down that route. I had more money than Warren Buffett and Bill Gates put together. I had it all. I made it look like those guys were penniless, and I'm telling you that's not where it's at. In fact, if if it's in the notes there, uh, he, he mentions a phrase, he says, listen, boy, is this true or what? As goods increase, so do those who consume them. In other words, you get a raise that you said you desperately need to have, and I'm not against raises per se, but what happens to that raise? pretty much gets eaten up, right? And we kind of live to that limit, right? But, but if that's where your hope is and your meaning and purpose and value, you know, it just gets eaten up too, right? Rather, the scripture says, be content. Now, that's a word you don't see on a bumper sticker. Doesn't work good for the economy, does it? Because we got to keep on buying, right? <laughs> be content with what you have, your pay, your life. Be content, 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 right? Okay, why? Because in the middle of that, God is all you need. One of my favorite, favorite uh, analogies to that is this one. A rich industrialist was disturbed to find this fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat. Don, this was not you. I know you're getting those fishing poles, but this is not you. And he says, uh, or maybe it was you. Maybe it was you. Why aren't you out there fishing? The industrialist asked this fisherman out there. And so the fisherman said, well, because I, I, I caught enough fish for today. And so the rich man asked, well, why don't you catch more fish than you need? And the fisherman says, well, what would I do with them? And he came back with this impatient reply. Well, you, you, you could earn more money. You, you could buy a, a better boat. You can go deeper and catch more fish. And you could purchase nylon nets and catch even more fish and make even more money. And so then you'd have a fleet of boats and be rich like me. And the fisherman said, well, so then what would I do? And then the industrialist said, "Well, you could sit down and enjoy life." And the fisherman replied, looking placidly out to sea, "What do you think I'm doing now? Anybody starving here tonight? Again, I'm very glad that all of you have clothes on, <laughs> and I take it you all have a place to lay your head tonight. What more do you need?" Can't we be placid too? Isn't God enough? He's the meaning of life. You've got it through Jesus Christ. He gave it to you for free. Isn't it enough? But no, 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 no. If I just had money. And see, what did he say? A man's God, okay, is that for what? That which he lives, which he's prepared to give his time, his energy, that which stimulates his, rouses him, excites him, enthuses him. If it's money, then that's your God. Right? That's what you're living for. That's what you think has the most meaning in life. And that's what we have to be careful of. Okay, but he says, there, he says money. Okay? He says, listen, I had more than I could dream. I'm reflecting back. We'll get into that greater detail. Uh, that's not worked out. Wisdom and education. All right? He was not the richest man in the world. He was what? Smartest man in the world. We'll get to that in just a second. Fame and power more than anyone before me. Because we all know it's working out great for those Hollywood people. I mean, they're on the news all the time. They're making movies. They're getting exposure. They got these red carpet events, and their lives are absolutely horrid. How many, how many divorces on you, on, on, with all due respect? How many divorces you got going on now? Right? How many are secretly filing for bankruptcy? Right? How many guys, it's a complete facade? How many guys are hooked on drugs now? How many guys are completely depressed? How many guys are contemplating suicide? On and on it goes, and these are our idols? That's meaningless. You can have wealth and fame. That's not where it's at. Okay, uh, fun, I've done it all. Hey, how many hangovers do we have to have before we realize, hey, uh, 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 probably not the best thing to do. All right, next weekend, let's try it again. All right, right, it's what? How many times? We'll get into that great detail. Accomplishments, right? Uh, ditto, uh, relationships. I've had more relationships than you can possibly imagine. Now, be careful, married folks. I heard that nervous laughter. And my wife's on the front row, and tomorrow's our anniversary. I better be careful. (laughs) But relationships, as good as they are, they're good, not against them, obviously. I got one, okay? (laughs) But you know what? Ultimately, that's not where it's at because your spouse can't take place of God, okay? One guy said this. I couldn't resist. He said, this woman awakes during the night to find that her husband's not in bed. So she puts on her robe. She goes downstairs to look for him. And sure enough, she finds him sitting at the kitchen table. He's got a cup of coffee running in his hand right right in front of him there. And she notices that he's he's deep in thought, and he's just staring at the wall. And and her heart is touched, and she watches him wipe a tear from his eye. And he takes another sip of coffee there. And and so she whispers as she steps in the room. She goes, what's the matter, dear? Uh, Why are you down here at this time of night? And the husband, he looks up from his coffee, and he says, you remember... 20 years ago, when we were dating, and uh, you were only 16? And she goes, yeah, I do, I do, I remember that. And the husband pauses, the words, they're, they're not coming easy, Bobby. And He said, and, and do you remember when your, your, your father shoved that shotgun in my face and said, Either you marry my daughter, I'll send you to jail for 20 years? And the wife said, yeah, I, I remember that too. And she's lowering herself in the chair beside him. And at this, the husband, he paused one more time to wipe another tear from his cheek, and he said, I would have gotten out today. <laughs> <laughs> I need to ride home. Anybody take me up on it? No, seriously. But hey, there's the truth in that, right? I mean, I'm not against marriage, not against relationships. But did you ever go down that route prior to Jesus? If I only had that perfect relationship. What's the phrase society puts in our head? Soulmate. Like, if I only one, this soulmate, then my life will be meaningful and happy. Listen, first of all, do it God's way. As we saw in the last few sermons, don't commit fornication, cohabitation. Do it, do it God's way. He'll bless that. And marriage is a blessing. But ultimately, deep down in your heart, only God can fill that God-shaped void because he's the meaning of life. Okay, that's just icing on the cake. But you've got to keep God's center uh, in that. Okay, that's what he says. He has experiences. your first blank there. Bobby, I'll give you a piece of gum because we made it to that first blank right? Uh, He has experienced all these things we think are supposed to bring meaning and happiness. And where do we get those ideas from? It's from the Bible. No, it's not, Joey. What are you talking about? It's from the world, right? The world. All these things that we think is going to bring happiness, okay? Here is his report in a nutshell. It is empty. It is all what? meaningless. Don't fall for it. Again, why is that bad? He's warning us. Don't go down this route. Don't go down this route. Don't go down this route. That's not bad. I want to know. How many guys hate learning things the hard way? How many guys, even though you hate that, you still do it, right? And then he's trying to save us from doing that, okay? And he says he's not saying these things are unimportant, okay, but that all these things, especially in abundance, will ultimately leave you empty. Leave you empty is your blank there. The Irish writer Oscar Wilde once said, in this world there are two great tragedies. One is not getting what you want, and the other one is getting it. Did you ever get that thing that you so desperately knew that you had to have, and this is it? If I go and get this thing and that, then, man, life is great. The next day it was like, hmm, Right? That trip or that raise or that relationship or that thing or that doodad or that thing you, right? And that's what he says there. Most people are desperately searching for meaning, peace, and joy, but they're trying to find it in the wrong places. And again, that's what he's why is this a bad book? This is not a depressing book. Yeah, thank you for giving me a heads up. Don't go down this wrong place. Okay? Before we look at the author of Ecclesiastes says about the meaning of life, let's look at the question. Here we go. What does not bring meaning, peace, and joy in life? And of course, there's a couple dogs down there that says, I've got the bull, I have got the bone, the big yard, I know I should be happy. (laughs) And you know why, Tom? His problem is, he's barking up the wrong tree. (laughs) Hey, it was rough trying to come up with that. Let's move on to next page. I would be happy, here's the first lie. Here's the first lie, who hasn't fallen for this one? Right, because they drill this baby in our heads. I would be happy if I were more educated. Huh? Right, educated is your blank there, right? How many guys are so educated uh, that uh, you're kind of dangerous? Right? So dangerous, you still haven't learned how to take out the trash. You know that? You done that? <laughs> have you ever met somebody who's so educated that they are dangerous? Right? Have you, is somebody so educated that uh, it's just like this gobbledygook speak? Oh, with the hypostatic, for the thing, of the deal, the noose and I'm the to the What? How about just saying you're going to Walmart? Why do you <laughs> got to use all these big, giant, flowery, what? Who are you trying to impress here? But have you ever met m- that? And that's what we're talking about with the intelligentsia the evolution crowd right? Scripture says they turned away from God. They know the evidence of God's existence and design, but they what? They became fools. You think you're so wise? You literally have turned away from God on purpose. You're willingly ignorant, dumb on purpose with all your brains and stuff like that. Now, again, he's not against education. We'll see that in a, a bit. But if you think that a degree is going to provide ultimately that meaning and purpose and value in life, you're headed for a big heartache as well as a large debt. Right? So let's move on. Many people throughout history have felt that knowledge is the key to a meaningful and peaceful and joyful life. Well, what about education, wisdom, and knowledge? Well, most believe the book of Ecclesiastes was written by, uh, at least about King Solomon of Israel. Let's take a look at how wise, educated, and smart King Solomon was, according to the Bible. Here's what we read. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insights and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other guy. How many guys would say this is the last guy you want to play chess with? <laughs> right? Why? It literally, he said wiser than any other man. This is the God. This is the pinnacle. And this is why it's a good example because how many people have fallen for this life? Okay, yeah, you say that uh, uh, money's not where it's at, right? But, you know. Maybe it didn't work out for that guy who was a millionaire. But I bet you if you had five million, it'd be okay, right? Or now a million. Remember a million used to be the thing. If I only had a million bucks. Hey, forget that. It's up to a billion, right? Now we got billionaires coming out of years, right? It's the same. And this is what I like because an example of this, this guy speaks with authority, right? Because he's not just talking, I got the I, Nobody was richer, not just in my day, in the history of mankind. Nobody had more money than me. And I'm telling you, that's not where it's at. And it's the same thing when it comes here. Listen, I don't care. Degrees, all this. How many degrees? How many doctors do you want? You want a doctor? Pick a card, any card. What do you want? How many do you want? I knew more than anybody ever in the history of humanity. Einstein, Hawking, put them together. I'll whoop them. With my brain tub, I'll hum my butt. Right. This guy, he's at the pinnacle. So therefore, he speaks with authority. He says, mm it's not right. And it goes on. He says, Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Right? Everybody came to this guy, and this is pre-Google. Right? Everybody traveled to get something. Whoa, this guy, whoa, he's alive in our day. Whoa. So what's he say about education and wisdom? Well, here's what he says. Ecclesiastes 1, 12-13. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that was done under the heaven. How much? All. All right, I did it. Okay, I went down that route. I experimented. Is this where life's all about? Is this it? Is this where I'm going to find out? I'm going to have that peace and joy. That hole in my heart's going to be gone and everything on the heaven. Yeah, what'd you find out? Surely knowledge and wisdom of the ages, the wonders of science, hold the key to meaning and true happiness. Here's a synopsis. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them aren't meaningless. Chasing after the wind. How many guys got literally so bored growing up that was one of the things you did? Hey, Chuck, what are you doing today? I'm oh, not much. Let's go chase some wind. <laughs> My Monopoly board's broke. There's you know, nothing else to do. Let's go chase wind. What? what? Chasing wind? How many guys say that's kind of a futile thing to do? And that's his point. Chasing wind. How many guys? Realize that you're never going to catch it in the bottle. All right. You got close once, but give it up for joy. All right, I'll give you a piece of gum, you crazy guy. All right, let's move on. Uh, it's meaningless. Chasing after wind. This most futile thing you could do. What? Trying to think that if I just have the best, perfect, most degrees, more than anybody, that's where it's at. No, I don't think so. For with much wisdom comes much what? Sorrow The more knowledge, the more grief. In fact, I believe he also makes another statement. The writing of many books, there is no end. Right? Okay. More knowledge, there is more grief. Why? Because have you guys noticed that the more knowledge you learn about this world is kind of messed up? Right? It's like, how many times do I have to learn that before I realize, hey, the world's kind of messed up? How much grief do I need to invite my brain? Uh, Ravi Zacharias, he actually said this. He says, who can explain a mother heartlessly drowning her two young children to perpetuate an ill-fated love affair? Who can explain the animalistic cannibalism of a serial murder? Who can explain the cold-hearted murder of their parents by their own children? Who can explain the brutal beating and killing of a, little two-year-old boy at the hands of a 10-year-old and, and 12-year-old in uh, England? Who can explain the dreadful crimes of at least two teenage girls in Ontario who were tortured, raped, and mutilated uh, while the sister one of the victims watched and videotaped it for their later viewing pleasure? Who, who can explain the honorable killings of Fulton, California, when a handful of Ivy League-bound students bludgeoned one of their classmates to death and then calmly left for a New Year's Eve party? Who can explain the ripping open of a woman's body to wrench the child from her womb and kidnap it? The list seems endless and sick it's obvious that the answers, based on the assumptions of society, can neither explain nor solve this malady. Did you know that, how many guys are out of school finally? Except for the interns, don't raise your hand. All right, you made it. No, you guys are still in school? All right, raise your hand, you're scaring me. Whew, praise God. All right, did you know you're still being educated? We're being educated. And the biggest thing that we're receiving education every single day is in the media, right? So the issue is, it's not whether or not you get to stop being educated, you will continue to educate long after you get out of school. It's what are you being educated in, right? And I think with this point, you he's because you're thinking, why would wisdom, why would knowledge, why would learning, why would education bring you sorrow and grief? Well, if you look at the major way that we're being educated today, i.e. with the media and the news, again, how many times do I have to go and watch the news before I come to the synopsis? Our world is messed up and needs Jesus Christ. How about I get busy doing that which is meaningful and shut that thing off and share the gospel? What does society tell us? You've got to be informed. You gotta be, what, what's that mean? You've got to be educated. Let us educate you. Let us tell you what's going on. You've got to hear this. You got to. And, and, oh, what? What? Are you one of those people who are not informed and educated? Huh? I'm not an anti-news guy. Obviously, we dealt with that uh, uh, tremendously. But, here's my point. You want to be educated in something. You want to educate yourself in something meaningful. you got to go to school. But how about now you got all this time that you're not in the system, get educated in this. See, that's the issue, isn't it? And this does not bring sorrow and grief unless it convicts you of sin. A godly sorrow, which is still for your good, right? This is it. But see, our world is out there still trying to get us educated, okay, into the things that, frankly, it's like, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear that there was another murder today. I already know that. I don't need to hear that the planet's going to blow up. I already know that. I don't need to hear, how many times, okay, I, I, I got equipped. I understand the situation that's going on with Iran. But how many times do I need to hear it in one week? I'm not against being informed, but how many times? Okay, I got it. Probably not the smartest thing to do what we just did. Let's get educated here. Much better. Feel better? woo yeah. Now I know what to do, right? Now I know where to go. And it's bad enough that we get educated in the secular things that do bring grief and sorrow repeatedly and not turn on to that which we ultimately need to get educated in. As we saw before, the purpose of an education today, even when you're in school, is all twisted, right? As we saw before, the purpose of an education ultimately in our country was to get ourselves equipped to uh, become better equipped to serve other people in, in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's not what it is tomorrow. Let me, let me share with that once again. Our so called way of American life is based upon people who are ready to spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't know who in the end are people who don't even care. But the real Jesus is radical. He's extremely radical, and he calls you to a whole new lifestyle, a dangerous lifestyle, a threatening lifestyle, because the day you were a kid, they drill it into your head to fit into this American system. Your parents did it, the church did it, the school did it. They say, get a good education. You talk about dropping out of school, they go nuts. And if you ask, why should I get a, a good education? The answer is simple. If you get a good education, you'll be able to get a good job, and a good job is one in which you earn a lot of money. money. So stop and think about how unchristian that is. He said yeah first you need to go to college you need to get a good education But the purpose of an education is not to get enough money to buy things The purpose of an education is to equip yourself to serve other people in the name of Jesus Christ He said now here's the tragedy of this It takes a lot of money to buy all these things that nobody needs with your education And in order to get that money most of us neglect what's really important in life What's the most meaningful of all and that is God How many times do we say that I don't have time for God I don't have time to come to God church services. I don't have time for Wednesday night Bible study. I don't have time to get into the Bible to get educated in God, which is for my ultimate value. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to fellowship. I, why? Because we went down this route that says education, secular education. I'm not against it. I'm not anti. And he's not anti either. But you think that's where it's at. And it's tied in with this money thing, isn't it? It's not just getting educated in case we make it on Jeopardy. It's what? Get educated so you can get a better job, which is defined as one that makes even more money. Why? So you can get more things. And did anybody, four years before I got saved, before I got saved, I call it hitting the wall, and this was a depressing time for me. I saw this. I saw this. I saw how bankrupt this was. You got to be kidding me. You mean to tell me that's the meaning of life? You mean to tell me this is it? I made it 21 years. I got it figured out. You got to be kidding me that all you do is you're born to grow up, to go to school, to get a job, to buy some stuff, get married, maybe a house, and die. I kid, it was, I literally, before I got saved. Oh, that was bad. And you know what, what I did after that? I went down, the next topic we'll get into next week, pleasure. Because that is so stinking bankrupt. Now, all you had to do was read the Bible. All you had to do was read this book. That everybody says, it's depressing. <laughs> and say, no, don't go down that route. It ain't money's not education. Are you kidding me? It's God. Don't get tricked. Don't get seduced. But that's what he talks about there. And he says this. So Albert Einstein, he says, before his death, he says there at the top of the next page, uh, he says this, Albert Einstein, two days before his death, said something very similar. Those of us who know the most are what? Gloomiest about the future. Now, how, do you, how, do you, how, how can you educate yourself to give you the antidote of that conclusion? Because when you get educated in this world, and it's getting more and more wicked, it's getting worse and worse as the day goes by, okay? It's falling apart more and more. What is the antidote to that education from the world that they're trying to put in your brain? I read in this education book that God is on the throne. Psalm chapter 2. He's up in heaven. All these people trying to usurp his authority and he's laughing. (laughs) Look at you guys. You really think you're going to outdo me? You better kiss the son lest he be angry. You better get saved. You better receive my mercy before it's too late. Oh, by the way, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to put an end to all these wars and the evil and the yuck that the world is putting in our brains. That's the antidote when you get educated uh, with this. So the writer, he says there, so the writer, here he is the smartest of the smart. Okay, he's reached the pinnacle of education. Is your next blank there? The pinnacle of education. Uh, His report on the matter is this. Meaning, peace, and joy can't be found There. The message here is not that education and knowledge are unimportant. Okay? Uh, He affirms that in chapter 2, verse 13. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. So it's not against education, right? It's not that there's no value. But here's the point. If that's where you, if you will, I I really struggle to use this analogy. If you put all your eggs into that basket, (laughs) right? He's saying you're going to end up. Yeah, chicken. Chicken was so. It's not going to work. It's meaningless, okay? Education is vital. He would affirm this. The message here is that wisdom, education, and knowledge do not bring life, but this book does. Educate yourself on this. If anything, right, you're out of school. I made it. Crack it open. Get educated. And if you are in school, guess what? you got time for this. All the stuff that you're learning, all the junk that you're seeing go in the world, aren't you, aren't you tired? Doesn't it leave like a taste in your mouth? Take the antidote. Get educated here. This is awesome. This is the ultimate chill pill. Woo-hoo. Right? Get here in the Bible. If you would just take the time. It's there the whole time. Isn't that ironic? We're running frantic. We're going crazy. We go, the world's going to blow. Woo! guys' going to blow. Neil Meredith and David. What? You just stop. But see, that's what the enemy doesn't want us to do. Because in the midst of all this crazy, messed up world and conflict, you and I as Christians walking around like Jesus really is all we need, is a profound witness. And that calmness and that peace comes back when we get educated uh, in God's word, not just the words of man. I'll close with this analogy, it's like this story. Many years ago a little boy was given a priceless possession his deceased grandfather gave him a gold pocket watch. It was his watch, the grandfather's. And oh, how this little boy, he treasured it. But one day, while playing at his father's ice plant, uh, he lost the watch amid all the ice and the sawdust. So he searched and he scratched and he, he was becoming frantic, but still no watch. And, 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 but suddenly, he realized what he needed to do. He instantly stopped scurrying around and became very still. And suddenly, in the silence, he heard the watch ticky. Right? And so in the same way, God has given each of us a priceless gift of joy in Jesus. And now easy it is to lose our joy in the frantic scurrying around of all of life, yet it's always there to find if we'll just pause and listen. I found it again. Why did I ever go away in the first place? It's not just for us. We are a walking advertisement. And if we walk around, even though we know better, it ain't money, it's not education, but if we start going down that route again, we're going to get just as crazy, just as frantic as the rest of the world. And the message we're sending, whether we like it or not, to the rest of the world is, Jesus doesn't work when he does. We just need to get back to the meaning and purpose of life And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156.